We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. God Country, Notre Dame Barbecue. What should the Pittsburgh Steelers go for in the draft offseason? Do you see a guy like Justin Fields being more successful in Pittsburgh if they were to get him? Would he be more successful in Pittsburgh than Chicago? Yes, I believe he would be because Pittsburgh is one of those organizations that even when they have questionable offensive coordinator, which they've had over the last couple of years, Pittsburgh is a well-run organization. <laughs> it really is. Chicago, not as much. Now, I, you you have to ask me honestly, God Country, Notre Dame Barbecue, like what am I giving up for Justin Fields? That would be my first conversation piece right. because I do I have hesitation over Justin Fields, which is why I had hesitation over Justin Fields when he was coming out of Ohio State. I still thought he was really talented, but there were still some things about him where I'm just like, mm, I'm not sure about that, right? But would he be better in Pittsburgh than he is in Chicago? Yes. What do I think Pittsburgh needs to do overall as a team? I think they need to figure out his quarterback, obviously. I think they need to figure out their offensive line situation because I still think there's upgrades that could happen. Roger Jones played pretty well at right tackle. I think you could flip him over to left tackle, potentially take another offensive tackle in this class. They bolster the offensive line. They need a center. They need a corner on the defensive side of the football. There's holes to fill for Pittsburgh. But to answer the initial question, yes, I think Justin Fields would be better on Pittsburgh than he is in Chicago. I do believe that. Sean Davis would love to hear that comment because his big thing is – I mean, and I agree with it. There are certain organizations that just don't produce good quarterbacks because they don't know how to properly build around a quarterback. That That's really yep. what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cleveland Browns were that for a long time, very long yep. time. I would argue they still are. You know, I mean. They're getting out of it a little bit, but, yeah, you're not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. It's not the Washington Commanders. They're the no. new one. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. A one, Here's a, a once question, prominent franchise that yeah. can get out of their own way with bad ownership. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm going to read this one. I'll get your thoughts. Uh, which odds are greater, a two-loss SEC champ or an undefeated uh, group of six team? Now, I asked, I followed up with the question and the, you know, great odds of what, and it was just simply that 
is there a, a greater chance that there's a two loss SEC champ or an undefeated mm-hmm. uh, group of six team? I would say the odds are greater that there's a group of six team, Ryan, but I don't know that it's significantly because yeah. the schedules are so much more ramped up this year. I could I could see because uh, two reasons: one, SEC schedules much tougher this year across the board, and two. Yeah as more Cincinnati's and SMU's are leaving the group of six, it becomes much easier mm-hmm. to then go for those teams to then go run the table. Yeah. Yeah. That was my initial, um, my initial impulse as well was to take the group of six. I do think that the, it's going to be interesting to see just the sec hierarchy. Cause I mean, I think we could all assume that George is going to be that team for the next couple of years, especially right. As far as like their sustainability, but you know, how quickly does Alabama, you know, threaten back at the top with Kalen DeBoer? Can they sustain what Nick Saban had built? You know, does a Texas or an Oklahoma come in and, and get to the hierarchy of the SEC immediately? It's it's going to be fascinating to see how the SEC trends over the next couple of years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Item Benami with another one. How about that hype video Mitchell Evans put out? Excited for his return. Big piece of our team. What a beast. Yeah, it was a good hype video. I, th- I was yeah. on Instagram, but someone posted on Twitter as well. It was really cool. Yeah. Here's another one, Ryan. It says, uh, what are your projected top three teams for each Power Four conference? I, I don't know about – I haven't got dove into that yet where yeah, I could say that. So I, I'll just give you my initial gut reaction mm-hmm. to it now. Uh, Big Ten, to me, right now, where things stand right now, my top three would be Ohio State, Oregon, and Penn State. It's my top three for now. I don't have Michigan in my top three of that. I think you could argue Penn State, Michigan, or two, USC potentially could maybe climb into that if some things go their way. I think the top two are no-brainers. Ohio State and Oregon are no-brainers, one, two. I'm going Penn State, number three. I just like the talent they're bringing back in a lot of places uh, and, and, uh, so then big 10 sec, Georgia, clearly Texas, clearly number three for me, not as clear. I, I don't think, I think people just assuming Bama's going to just, I, I saw something the other day People talked about predicting Bama to go eight and four. I'm like, guys, I know they lost a lot, but this is still Bama. And let's not forget that Kalen DeBoer took a roster that most people didn't think could compete in the sec and went to the national title game with it. I mean, so, like, let's not act like they hired, you know, who's the guy that Tennessee hired when Lane left? Oh, which is um, terrible. Dooley. Let's not act like they hired that guy, right. right? Like, they hired a darn good freaking football coach. And they're still going to be talented. Are they going to be a national title contender? I don't know. I need to see some things. Who's going to be their quarterback? Blah, 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 blah. But they're still going to be a darn good football team. Uh, you know, does LSU jump into that top three? Could it be Ole Miss? 
I mean, I think I think the top two going into the season are clear for me, Georgia, Texas. I, it's much harder to pick the third, and I think there's a lot of good options. for. I could see Tennessee taking a big jump this year. You know, they got some talent. I, I would not go with Tennessee right now. I, they, they wouldn't even be my top two or three of the next group, but that's another team with some talent. I'd probably lean towards Ole Miss right now, Ryan, but I'd write it in pencil very loosely because they got a they had a great offseason, but Lane still has to prove to me that he can be consistent. And his entire career has been great, drop, great, drop, great, drop. That's been his whole career as a head coach. And he's got to prove to me that he can string two good years back-to-back. And he hasn't done that yet. But he had the offseason to where you say the roster ain't going to be the problem. I mean, nah. it's not. Roster's very good. It's a very yeah, good roster. No doubt. Uh, Big 12, Utah. I don't even remember um, who's in the Big 12 anymore. Yeah. Just half joking. Yeah. Yeah. Not fully it, joking. It, it had Jed Fish not left for left Arizona, I would, I would have easily gone with Arizona. I, I have a harder time going with them now. You know, Utah to me, Oklahoma State, I mean, is I mean, they're gonna be one. They got a lot coming back next year. Uh, they're gonna be in that conversation for me. And then probably off the top of my head, Kansas State, probably off the top of my head, would probably be my top three. I'd have to really think through it. I, I don't know that TCU is gonna make the full climb back. Baylor's in a tough spot, Texas Tech, Cincinnati's bad. West Virginia was surprisingly not bad last year, Ryan. They they yeah, were a much better see. team than I thought they were gonna see. be last year. Let's see it two years in a row. Let's see it two years in a row. A hundred percent agree. Hundred. <laughs> yeah. And now that everybody's got film of Garrett Green and exact, hundred percent agree. I, I watched um, a little Garrett Green recently too. I was I, I was actually watching an offensive tackle, but like I don't know how they did what they did with that kid. I I don't yeah. not see that, but yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think, Ryan. Some other teams in that league. I mean, obviously you have Colorado joining that league. I don't see that. Uh, I don't see either of the Arizonas. Arizona still has talent. They, I just. I question quarterback you know, and wide receiver back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Oklahoma state and Kansas state and who is in Utah would probably be my three. And then uh, lastly, ACC, uh, that one's a lot easier. It's Florida state Clemson and Louisville for me are my top three in that league right now coming into mm-hmm. the season. Okay. Yeah. Anybody I, I, that jumps out. It's, or, it's very early. I'm I'm still curious to see how Florida State just kind of rebounds off of losing so much talent because they've kind of won off the portal the last year or two, right? Where it's like at some point I question sustainability with that approach. I mean, it could just hit again or it could not be as good. I don't know. I'm I'm very yeah. interested to see what they do this year. Cuz the question would be this, Ryan, am, am I correct yep. in reading you? Yes, they hit the right notes this time. Yep. But is it just because you happened to get these players and you were able to put it all together and you had the right mix because you had a quarterback that had been there for a while and then you were able to find the right pieces? Or is this something that you you are just you've just mastered and right. it doesn't matter how you do it, you're gonna be able to do I, it? Is that pretty much where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, because I, I just look two years ago, they hit some home runs, right? You got Johnny Wilson and some guys like that, Jared Verse. This past year, you got Keon Coleman, and you're like, okay, cool, man. We're riding high. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, you have a bad evaluation. You miss on a guy that's, like, really important in, in a portal situation. So I, I just – Here's the other one, Ryan. Sure. Here's the other one. Yeah. There's no Jared Verse out there. Yeah. There may be no Keon Keeley out there. That's, that's the other danger of always living by the portal is you can't guarantee that there's going to be a guy out there like that. Like, they got the kid from Oregon State. Nice player. He's not he's not in the same universe as Jared versus a player. And my oh, no, not even close. Not even close. So yeah. um 
that's that's the danger of not developing your own is you fall yeah. victim to well we need this at that position and it's not strong this year and so you're right. in trouble that's a so very so dangerous way to live you're you're also going from and i think i think i think coach atkins is a good is a good offensive coordinator but you're also going from jordan travis play style to dj uwe young play style where i'm like hmm that's going to be a very Interesting fits into that offense, but we'll see. It would have worked a lot better two years ago with that offensive line. We'll see how yeah. this one performs. We had a question from Joe Allen. What player coming in as a freshman has the best potential offense and defense? Overall potential, long term is what we're talking about, or are we talking about 2024 potential? Let's go 20. Let's just go 2024. Let's just go with that one okay. for now. Offensively, I would probably say Cam Williams would be my number one for true freshman coming in of 2024 potential defensively Bryce Kingston or Bryce? Would be mine. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I would probably maybe 2024 would be Kingston, but I kind of just mixed them both together yeah. with Bryce because I think he also could play in 2024 a ton. Yeah. I, I think t- I want to go 2024, Ryan, because we've we've talked a lot about the long term yeah. upside of guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kingston just because I think he, I just think the things that we've talked a lot about him as far as 2024 has the best uh, Bryce is going to get a chance to play so will yep. so will Kingston to a degree. Sure. I think Kingston can also help you in a lot of different ways where you know Bryce is a defensive end, Kingston can be a starter starting starter on punt coverage, starter on kick coverage, starter on kick return, you know what I mean? Oh, like, I would I would like Bryce Young to run down yeah. on kickoffs this sir. I would like him to <laughs> run down on kickoffs. Go ahead. Go be that 22 whatever 200 meter you were running. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, we got Nicholas Gross with the question. What do you guys think about last Friday's federal district court's ruling involving University of Tennessee paying recruits upfront NIL money? I, I, I believe the the judge was a I think person who was like very connected with a lot of people at Tennessee. I, I, I'm not really going to speak too much on the federal court ruling because it was always designed to be kicked up, and and so it's it's going to go to the Supreme court and we'll see what happens then in the meantime, it's just going to create more chaos in a chaotic situation. But in reality, this was already happening. The NCAA was just trying to stop it. And this is the absurdity of the whole thing. The schools whine and complain to the NCAA about fix this, fix this, fix this. So what do they do? They try to fix it. And then the teams that were the ones that were the most egregiously breaking the rules then sue. And because the courts nowadays just seem to be more about feelings than than facts. Uh, they the NCAA loses because it's easy to rule against them, and now we're just stuck in this craziness. So I'm just going to let the whole thing play out, see what the final straw, the final result is, and then we'll deal with it at the time. But I mean, it, it doesn't actually change anything because this was already happening. The whole thing is the NCAA was trying to stop it from happening. Why were they trying to stop it from happening, Ryan? Because the schools asked them to. That's why. Yep. Yeah. Stupid. Uh, we're we're cracking down stupid. on some schools, but NIL money, and it's just it's yeah. I don't know, man. It's ridiculous. I don't know. It's this all. This some... is all be, again. And if the NCAA hadn't been complete idiots for twenty years, and then once this whole thing started, they let it go for two years before they tried to stop anything. Like it's just, it's an absolute joke. The whole thing is a joke. It really is. Yeah. Hulk Strong has said, "Would the record been the same if Tyler Buckner was the quarterback this year?" Yeah, let's just say 2023. Would it have been the same? I mean, was he, is he healthy all year? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if he's That's healthy, then we don't know. Probably, I don't know, man. Uh, I, Hulk, I, I like, I, I think it's an interesting question, but like, also, am I arguing which quarterback's going to take me to nine and three? Like, I, I just, I, it wasn't good enough this year, right? Like, ultimately, mm. the quarterback play wasn't good enough. Do I think Tyler Buckner would have been good enough this past year? Probably not. I mean, based upon our track record of the situation, like, I, I just. I don't know. It's semantics at this point, as far as so, like who would have been the better nine and three quarterback. Who cares? <laughs> They're both like I would look at it like this, Ryan. I think yep. I think Tyler Buckner gives you a better chance to beat Ohio State if he's healthy and playing like the kid we saw against South Carolina, right? Let me just let me finish. I have a point here. I think he might have maybe given you a chance to beat Ohio State. I think at the very least he gives you a chance to go one and one against those two teams. But here's the whole here's the flip side of it you don't know that he also would have given you a greater chance to lose another game because that's the week where he had the four or five turnover game. And right. so you lose to a Duke or you lose to a USC or because you don't, because you, you, you force that early turnover and then he gives it right back and throws a picks. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know. This is a kid that played three games. Which version of Tyler Buckner are we getting the one against Ohio state in 2022 or the one against South Carolina? One against South Carolina could beat a lot of teams. You know, if he gets a little, you know, just a little bit better with decision making, but the one against Ohio State and Marshall doesn't beat half the teams on your schedule. So yeah. I think he would have given you a chance to win one of those two games with his playmaking ability. But I also think he would have turned the ball over a lot more than Sam Hartman did against Duke. And I don't know that you win that game. I think they yeah. lose to Louisville no matter who the quarterback is, just because that team didn't want to be there that day. That's that's the rub, Ryan. Is like, yeah, this quarterback can help you beat that team but that quarterback didn't give you a better chance to beat another team because of his style of play. And so I, I think at the end of the day, the record probably still the same because Sam Hartman has become the whipping boy for the 2023 season. Sam Hartman was not the only thing wrong with Notre Dame football in 2023. Yeah, He is not the reason alone why Notre Dame went with nine and three and simply trading out the quarterback doesn't fix that unless you're talking about like what we talked about earlier, Ryan, which is, okay, yeah, if you put Drake May in there, if you put Caleb Williams in there, that's a different animal. But, you know, Tyler Buckner to me doesn't doesn't move the needle because we don't have enough. I, I love his talent, Ryan, but we don't have enough of a sample size to know what version. Could he be a more efficient, less turnover-prone version of South Carolina week after week after week? I have no clue because I only saw him do that right. once. Right. No clue. No I just, I just don't have any. I just didn't have. Just kind of being in retrospect, like I just don't have any faith that it would have been better. I just think it would have been different, and that's fine, right? Like it would, your offense would have functioned a little bit differently. You might be right. Maybe you win a game that you lost. Maybe you lose another game that you won. Regardless, I don't. Just don't think. It, I don't. I don't think it would have been good enough to be honest. Like I just don't. I mean, so. I think you're moving forward and you went the direction you did and you're recruiting the quarterback position the way you are because you know that it needs to get better ultimately. And that's all that matters is the next step. Wyatt Fritz says, since the 2023 recruiting class, who has been the biggest miss from either under recruiting or not recruiting at all or from decommitments? Is anyone in the 2025 class already falling under these? I mean, the 2023 recruiting class is just finished their freshman year right. i don't know that i would call anyone a miss after one year i just i don't know how you can do that like somebody i was talking to somebody the other day i don't know if ben Minch is going to pan out like okay he was my lowest ranked player in the class and so like 
like there's nobody like when I, I've said this before, Ryan, when I, I had Josh Brahas ranked really high, loved him coming to high school. The first time I saw him at practice, I was like, Oh no, that that's, that's not good. You I mean, it was a clear miss. I mean, I, I can't think of it. Like, was there anyone this year that play, that did not play mm-hmm. that you look back and thought, man, I thought that guy was going to play a ton. I mean, even like Braylon James and play a lot, but we even said like, this kid's raw. He's going to need time. Rico and Bray right. and Jaden are much more prepared to play. As, I, mean, I don't know that there's anybody that I looked at offensive line receiver running back uh, D line that I look at. It's like, man, I, I really thought that guy was going to play this year and he didn't. And that's a miss. I really can't think of anybody in the class. It's way too early. I think I think maybe misses might be more about you know players that Notre Dame chose to pass on or chose to move on from. Like that might be like I, I saw Khalil Barnes play this year for Clemson, and I was like, man, yeah. it'd be nice to have Khalil Barnes in the class because we know obviously Notre Dame didn't push right. that one, obviously. But the so, problem yeah. was because he was adamant he wanted to play receiver, and What's Clemson playing? told him he would, <laughs> yeah. and then moved them right away, and Notre Dame wasn't willing to tell him that. Knowing that they, because they they just they looked at him and said, "We don't view you as a receiver," you know, and um, you know, I was a fr- now he's a fresh yeah. freshman All American defensive back, yep. man, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone in twenty twenty five class? So I mean, maybe maybe that's kind of where he's. I think Ryan, you might you might have a better grasp on what he's asking about the big misses of the players they went after. So it sounds. I think oh, that he- might be more of what he's asking. At that point in time, are we talking about evaluations or players? No, I think I think I think what you said is I think what he said is the biggest misses like on the trail. Okay, you know, like and I mean, in that one, that twenty three is easy. It's Keon and Peyton. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the two big misses. I'm okay not getting Dante more. I think it worked out fine for Notre Dame. They because if you get Dante, you don't get CJ. Yeah, and as we've seen, like Dante Ryan, you and I both agree on this. Dante throws the football, and his just God given ability to throw the football is special. But there's a lot more to the Dante Moore package than just that. And sure. some of it's his fault, some of it's not. Where with CJ Carr, it's a completely different animal. With Deuce Knight, it's a completely different animal. With Kenny Minchie, great kid, great family. I mean, you don't have to worry about Kenny, CJ, and Deuce all have families that are just like that's the kind of family you want in your for your quarterback at Notre Dame. Right? right. That's got to be part of it in today's era, even even more than it used to be. So I'm good with not getting Dante Peyton, mm-hmm. not getting Peyton. Like, could you imagine to your point that going into the season talking about Notre Dame's starting secondary is going to be some version of Christian gray, Benjamin Morrison, Xavier Watts and Peyton Bowen. Right. Be pretty flipping good. Yeah. Be pretty sure flipping be. good. 2025 yeah. it, too early for me. Right. So yeah. I, I do think why it's question was more in line with the angle you took it on Ryan, which is missing of, Recruits not misses in evaluation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. We, we can't determine if that's a, a miss or not yet. I would say that there's a couple twenty twenty five kids that I wish Notre Dame would have pushed for that they chose not to push for. You know, for reason X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's that's always going to be there though. I mean, twenty twenty four was the same with like I wish Notre Dame would have pushed for Caleb Brewer. I really wish they would have pushed for Caleb Brewer. I yeah, that, but unfortunately, that's uh, just a decision that they didn't make. Choose to make. It's not necessarily a hit or a miss yet. We haven't seen those kids play in college yet, so we'll be able to revisit at some point. I'm trying to think of of twenty twenty four, some guys like man, I really wanted that guy. Notre Dame didn't get him. I, there's a couple. There's a couple D linemen. I'd I'd have to go back and think about who that was. But well, we can add Jason Moore to yeah. the twenty twenty three list. Yes, that'd and, be a good one. Yeah, yeah that'd be a good one. Yeah, it'd be a really good one. 
So yeah, we, we might be talking about Josh Vipe, but Josh Burnham battling for the Viper job this year if it wasn't for that miss. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Comment from Robert Bishop. He says, "Today is my wife's birthday. She's been my wonderful partner for over twenty years, and she puts up with me being an over-the-top ND fan every Saturday." Robert, tell your tell your wife we at Irish Breakdown said happy birthday and tell her thanks for allowing us to borrow you for a few hours every day during the week. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. But yes, happy birthday to Mrs. Bishop for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us, Robert. Get her some steak. <laughs> Irish blooded. If you were to pick five captains for this year, who would they be? Two for offense, two from defense, and one for special teams. That's a good one, Ryan. Um Offense. I'm trying to think of of who's coming back. That would be. I mean, boy, that's a good one. It's actually kind of tough. Yeah, I would, because there's off, so many younger players. Offensively, I would go with Jayden Mitchell Thomas. Evans. I was going to go with Mitchell Evans, but Jane Thomas. Maybe? You said yeah. two. You said two on okay. offense, two on defense, one on special teams. I, I would give it to Riley Leonard. I mean, I, I'm a okay. I'm a big you know if you, if your quarterback is worthy of being a captain, you make him a captain. Like I and we'll see if that happens or not. But Riley yeah. Leonard, Mitchell Evans would be my offensive guys. I guess we'll go I'd go there. Riley and Jaden Thomas would okay. be my two. Um, mm-hmm. Mitchell Evans is an interesting one, Ryan, because he's a heck of a player. Yeah, but I I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm not saying I'm not questioning it. Like you could say, like I don't know if he's that kind of guy. Meaning, like I question if he's that good. Yeah, I don't generally have never heard one way or the other what kind of like leadership abilities he shows beyond just showing up every day and putting in the work. I know he does that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jaden Thomas is does that as well, but also is a more vocal guy. So sure. that's why I'd go to, but uh, he's a, he's a good one as well. Defensively. I mean, Xavier Watts has got to be one for me and I'd probably go Howard cross. I think I'd you can Howard make a cross. case for Jack Kaiser. I would actually make Jack my special teams captain, Ryan. That's probably who I would make my special teams captain. And that yeah. way I have kind of three guys from that defense. Yeah. So yeah. Watts cross defense, Kaiser special teams. What say you, Mr. Roberts? Howard Cross, Xavier Watts, pretty easy defensively. Special teams, yeah. That I actually like the Jack Kaiser pick because I was wrecking my brain of like, am I going to make Mitch Jeter a captain? He just got here, right? Like that's a little, and you don't have your, you don't have Michael Vincent anymore at long snapper. You have a very good young punter in Bryce McPherson, but he's only going to be what a Richard sophomore this year, a third year player. So like, and only a second year player in that capacity. So, yeah, I think that making Jack would make a lot of sense from a special teams perspective. Like good question. I like that one. Those are those are fun. I mean, I'm curious to see who actually ends up being that pick this year, Ryan. Like who ends up being the captains? Because remember, yeah. like they didn't make Jack Cohn one because you know that all these other reasons. But then they made Sam one. Different coaching staffs, but they made Sam one. When I would argue, well, this is gonna sound wrong, but I would argue that I would. Nah, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. No point. Stonador, were there any major weaknesses on the 2015 team outside of things like bad coaching, injuries, and the tough schedule? Oh, sure. I don't I don't think the 2015 team was physical enough all the time, Ryan. I think that falls down to some strength conditioning issues, to be honest with you. I mean, I was hearing nightmare stories that season where like guys were having to get gym memberships or, you know, go work out on on, on campus at like the school gym because they were locking the weight room for extra work. I mean, just like stuff I've never heard of. So, I mean, I, that factored into it. But look, the 25 team couldn't close 
that's really what it boils down to, right? They couldn't close, not in the big games. They couldn't close against Clemson. They, I mean, we all remember the the missed two point conversion, but let's not forget they fumbled a ball inside the five in the second half of that game that kept that kept another scoring drive off off there. And so, you know, Clemson, I mean, Stanford that year, I mean, had chances, plenty of chances to put Stanford away, just couldn't do it. But I mean, it just you just didn't have, and a lot of that stemmed from bad coaching. I actually don't put a lot on the injuries. I, there's not a game they lost from like, gee, they lost because of injuries. And I've said, I think if Malik's the quarterback, I think they beat Clemson, but they still should have beat Clemson anyway, in my opinion, right. on that particular day. They still should have beat Clemson that day anyway. Uh, I just I just don't know that you had good enough coaching leadership. You had a terrible football coach and a really bad strength conditioning program. I don't think to the, I don't think the schedule in 2015 was tough at all. That's, that's what a Notre Dame schedule should look like. You've got two really good football teams. I mean, outside of – Outside of Clemson and Stanford, Ryan, what's the next two best teams you played? Temple and Navy were the next two highest ranked teams you played hey man, that year. Temple was a good team that year, man. Yeah, but that shouldn't team. be. <laughs> I, I, I get you being sarcastic, but yeah. like that shouldn't be the third best team you play on your schedule that year. What's funny though is go. They had, I will say this, they probably had the third, maybe second most NFL players that Notre Dame played against in the regular season. That year. They had a lot of the, 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 the two DBs that played in the NFL. Their quarterback played in the NFL, P.J. Walker. But Temple should not be Notre Dame's third best team on a schedule. So, no, I don't think the schedule had anything to do with it. I just don't think that team was always as physical as they needed to be either. They didn't always they, – they out-athleted a lot of people that year, Ryan. They didn't out-physical a lot of people that year, in my right. opinion. Not like they should have. You also had inexperience at the quarterback position after Malik. Well, even Malik, even if Malik was the quarterback, he still had inexperience at the position. So I think that, yeah, that, that would have hurt you at some points. Like if you're talking about potentially making a title run and doing all that type of stuff, I mean, inexperience at quarterback is never a thing you want to have, but, right. you know, so. Wait, Lucky Ducks 512, which young player having a breakout spring would get you most fired up for the season? Oh, for this season? Oh boy. Um there's there's three potential options on offense, Ryan. And and you can pick one any of these three. Any but the more the, the more of these three that break out, the better for me. I'm going young guys. So to me, young guys are freshmen and sophomores. That so like Jadarian Price is not a young guy. So I'm going Jeremiah Love, Charles Jagasaw, Jaden Greathouse. Those are the three that they have breakouts this spring get me most fired up yeah. about the about the season. Charles Jagasaw was going to be my pick. So yeah, I think I hate like I honestly I I think that the offensive line is going to be inexperienced coming into this season, but it's going to be very talented still, right? I mean, you're still going to have Charles Jagasaw and Ashton Craig and Billy Shroud. Like there's some talented dudes up front for Notre Dame starting potentially in 2024. But I think the biggest answer that you need to make offensively outside of, you know, just figuring out the quarterback position, because I think the wide receivers, you did a lot of great things. Tight end, you have a lot of great players. Quarterback, you have a very talented kid coming in and Riley Leonard. But you did just lose a guy that's probably going to go top five to seven in this class at left tackle. I mean, like that's a massive loss, even if even if Charles played pretty well mm-hmm. in the bowl game against Oregon State. So him showing out and being a dude this spring would be like, oh, okay, maybe we won't miss quite as much at left tackle as we once were perceived to lose. So, right. yeah, Charles would be my guy. Charles would be my guy. Defensively, again, freshman or sophomore, which one will get me the most excited? I'm going to say this. Uh, it's either a Don Schuler 
Boo, I'll go three again. Adon Schuler, Bubakar Traore, and then uh, one of the two sophomore linebackers. One of the three sophomore linebackers, Drake, Jaden, or yeah. Dressens. And I think it's important. I, I think Boo, if Bubakar breaks out, Ryan, and and has that that breakout spring, you and I have talked. We don't need to talk about that. I mean, that that guy could be – he could break out this year if if the talent – if the if the overall play reaches the god given talent, that that's a guy that could come yeah. in right now, be a starter for you, and have seven, eight, nine sacks next year. I mean, he's got he's got that kind of god given. Where if the light goes on this year, he could be that. Mm-hmm. You the linebackers to me, if one of those three guys breaks out, I mean, it's Drake, Jaden, and Preston Center, in any order you want to put them in. All of a sudden, I feel a whole lot better about that position. And and while Christian Gray breaking out would be good for the defense, it wouldn't get me fired up because I'm kind of already expecting it. That may be unfair, but I'm kind of already assuming it's going to happen. But a Don Schuler might be the biggest need of a guy to break out as a sophomore. Cause even sure. if Rod hurts everything that we think he can be or, and, and is great transfer, you still only got two proven safeties in him and Xavier Watts. That's it. And you need a third, if not a fourth. And I think a Don breaking out would, would be the thing that, that would have the greatest impact um, at that position for me sure yeah i would i would go with drake would be my first pick just because i think that drake is going to be pressured a lot this spring with kingston being on campus and some of the younger linebackers as well to prove that he could be that guy so i think if he's able to kind of just take a hold of him be like i am that guy and then you can mix and match the other spots inside potentially with kingston with you know, with Jaden Osbury, with Jalen Sneed, like those guys, I think that your linebacker room all of a sudden becomes very dynamic and very exciting, right? So Bubakar would have been my second one because I think that you just just don't have a lot of pass rushers like him on your roster, right? Like you just don't have many, if at all, right now, guys that can just come in and be that true speed, bendy dude on the outside, and Bubakar brings that to the table. Just watch USC and his very limited action yeah. there. So he would yeah. be he would be number two for me for sure. Ida Benami with the Super Chat she says, best show of the week. Thanks, fellas. You are Thank welcome. You. Gregory Perez, how are you able to differentiate between talent and scheme when watching tape? Quite a few people were upset about Jared Parker's offense due to scheme, even though it was good statistically. Go Irish. Well, uh, no, I think I think Jared Parker thing has goes way beyond scheme. I think so much of the vitriol about Jared Parker was about people being mad about the way he got the job, meaning the Andy Lug fiasco and all. I I think a lot of that emotional anger was taken out on Jared Parker. There's a lot of things, Ryan, you and I complained about during the year. I mean, the scheme was fine. There was nothing wrong with the scheme. It was the manner in which the scheme was implemented. There just was no rhyme or reason. They'd run a really well-designed pass play, but you're just like, but why? Or – you know, you'd see certain run concepts. You're like, in and of itself, that's a good run call. But it wasn't built in a cohesive manner in which the things complemented each other. And so Notre Dame's production this year in a lot of ways was about them having good players. But at the same time, it was also, I mean, as a whole, you had better talent than most teams you played. But you you can't ignore the fact that guys were put in position to to do the kind of things they, they did. The frustration was is it wasn't nearly enough, and especially in the big games, you went away from the aggressiveness that led to some of the success you had at other times. That's I just I, I'm ne- I'll never like that. And I'll be honest, Ryan, and I'm and I have a feeling you're going to agree with this. As I've 
reviewed the season. I also think a lot more of the success for the season needs to be put on the shoulders of Audric Estime than I realized during the season. The more I watch film, the more I realize he did a lot where things weren't there this year. And you're just like, that guy was like, we all knew he was good during the season. And to some degree, like pretty good player, but he's not flashy. So it's not until I went back and like watched the film. And I know, and I'm saying this because I saw you putting up a bunch of stuff on Twitter this weekend about Audric. Yep. You're just like, dude, he made a lot of something out of nothing this year at times. Like I remember the Clemson game. I'm like, man, first half of the game, offensive line did pretty well. Second half, not so well. And then you back and watch the film. You're like, no, they didn't play very well in the first half either. Audric was just doing stupid stuff, like crazy stuff, yep. you know, to, to, to make runs where, I mean, honestly, any other back in the roster, it's minus three. And Audric's turning it into a 28-yard run. I think that played a role too, but again, that that's that goes into the out towning thing. So, you know that that's what you get down to, Gregory. To answer that part of your question is like you got to watch a play and you say if the scheme is there, it's because it creates something. So, a perfect example: Jaden Greathouse is a very good player. The pass play that got him open for a touchdown against Wake Forest was a great scheme, and then having talented players executing that scheme—that great example, right? There are plays like that. When you watch Audric Estime against Clemson. You're like, I actually didn't like the scheme. When you go back and break down the film, that kid just was making people miss. That's really what it comes down to. Like, you know, I remember watching Trent Richardson in college, Ryan, and thinking, I'm not very high on this guy. He's literally running in a straight line through giant holes. He's really, he doesn't ever make anybody miss. He does, he can run people over because he's big and strong, but he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have a good vision. He doesn't have necessarily great feet. I just didn't see a great back. It, like I have with other – like when I watch Derrick Henry, it's like, okay, that guy's really flipping good. Yeah, the scheme is really good, but this dude is – a. I mean, this guy's got this package. And so to me, it, it's that. It's you, you, when a guy doesn't ha- – a guy can run through a giant hole, but you can still see first step, first step explosiveness, you know, vision, timing, footwork, acceleration, cutting. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you can still see that kind of stuff. But – when a guy really can shine is when a guy doesn't have great scheme or necessarily great blocking and he still makes maximizes yards. That's when you get impressed. And I, and I think that's, that's the season was a lot about this. Notre Dame just had better players than most of the teams they played. And they did enough offensively to allow those better players to go shine and win those games, but they didn't do enough of that in some of the bigger moments. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it was a weird year, Ryan, very weird year. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know differentiating between scheme and talent, whether it's a plus or a negative on either side, is when you watch the film. And I think you used Audrey Gessamay as an example. I mean, I would even say I thought the offensive line was pretty good against Stanford, but like I didn't think it was great watching that game back a little bit. Like I thought Audrick was just <laughs> something different Crazy. in that game, man. Like he was making dudes miss. Where I'm just like, that's pretty rare for a 227, 230 pound back. It's pretty, it's pretty insane. Yeah. So I, I think that overall it's your scheme is is your scheme is judged based upon getting players in a position to be successful. And if you're watching film and you say Aldrich Estime is being asked to do this, he had to freelance and do this, this, and this in order to be successful. He was, but his initial read was not there. That's a scheme issue a little bit, or at least a play calling issue. There's an issue of putting that guy and you weren't able to put him in the right spot offensively. Like I remember watching Duke and Louisville where I'm just like, man, I don't, 
I don't think you put a lot of these guys in position to be very successful in those football games, right? So at the end of the day, Gregory, to your question is, it should come from a basic level. When watching a game, do you say, that guy was really good because he did what his coach asked him to do, or did he win by freelancing and doing something different? That's the baseline of it, right? You watch Audric against Stanford where you're running a, I, I couldn't even tell if it was inside zone or if it was, um, or if it was duo, but inside all the offensive line got their butt kicked inside. Like there was zero hole. It was a zone so, play. I'm pretty yeah. sure Ryan. Yeah. So Audric had to bend it back, make a do miss in space, make another do miss in space. And then goes for like 20 something yards. It's like, that was not schemed. Well, like it wasn't, right. that was not schemed well at all. That was a player being better than everyone on the Stanford defense. So that's the basic stuff there. Yeah. But when you get your butt kicked like that in a running back, no matter how good he is, tries to make a run like that against a better defense, he's not going to have the success. And that can be the challenge, Ryan, when you're evaluating a guy and he doesn't have the stats because the opponents were just, it was 11 on four, you know what I mean? In a lot of different ways. And, and so that's, and I think to your point is, is I'll still never get over the final drive against Ohio State when you had that chance to put that game away. And, and that was by far your best player and you didn't ride him. Uh, just that one's always going to sting. It's always going to sting. Tyler Evans says since 2000, who's the most overrated quarterback coming out of high school? Oh man. Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson. That's probably Devin, who I'm going Devin with. Brown. Devin Brown. Devin Brown. That's Number a good one, one overall player in the uh, class. But that was by on three. Over. Not everybody had, did it. Not everybody had him that high, did they? Not that high, but yeah, yeah. still, still no, number one player in the country I'm, by I'm one. Curious. So. <laughs> I'm curious where others had him because that's a good one. Yeah, 37th, 44th, and 81st. Yeah, he was okay. he was ranked too high by all of them. I was not a. I'm with you, Ryan. I was never a Devin Brown fan. Let me go and see what Hunter Johnson was coming out. I can't. I know he was a five star by some, but I'm going to curious his overall ranking. Yeah, 16, 21, 53. So very similar. Very similar. That yeah, good arguments for both. Here's a here's an interesting right. I'm going to ask this one. Is Riley okay. Leonard better than Will Howard? My Everybody already knows my answer. I want to hear yours. Yes, he is. He is. In the same situation, he's better, right? I mean, we could have the conversation of like, you know, is, is Will Howard in Ohio State better than Riley Leonard in Duke? I mean, situations are different, right? But if you sure. ask me, they're getting thrown in the same situation. I would take Riley Leonard as long as he's healthy all day, every day, because I think that he's a more natural thrower. I think he's a better athlete overall. Really, the only thing I give over Will Howard is the, Will Howard over Riley Leonard is durability and and he's bigger, right? Like he's, I mean, yeah. it's not like even like he's 6'5, 240 or whatever the heck he is. I mean, it's not like we're talking about a kid in Riley Leonard who's not good sized as well. Like he has plenty enough size to be able to, you know, do whatever you need him to do. But I would give the edge to Riley Leonard, yes, in the same yeah. situation. I want to respond to something else too. Somebody said JHT 1988 said Audric made up for some poor scheme quite a bit. Again, I I don't agree with that. I I think you need to be able to differentiate between what's a poor scheme and what's a poor application of the scheme. For example, Notre Dame ran some pin and pull stuff this year, Ryan, that if you just put it up on a board was really good stuff, really good stuff. The problem is they didn't have the players to execute it. So it wasn't poor scheme. It was poor application of that scheme. Right. Mm-hmm. That if you have an undersized offensive line that's great at movement stuff, but they're not good at pl- running duo all day, and you run duo all day and get your butt kicked, do you have a scheme problem? No, you don't. Duo is a great run. 
you have a implementation of the scheme problem. You're not coaching to what your talent is. So that's another thing that people need to, and that's why so much that you see from just kind of casual areas is just this, Oh, the play calling was bad. Okay. Why? You know, like you shouldn't have called that play then. Why? What should the answer have been? And the reality is you say, well, the scheme sucked. There wasn't anything that Jared Parker did this year that 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 a football coach is going to look at and say, scheme-wise, that's a stupid play. You look at it and say, you shouldn't have called that play at that time or against that look, or you shouldn't have called that play with the players you had on the field. Those are different things to say than scheme was bad. I don't think the scheme was bad a lot. I don't think they implemented the scheme effectively to the play to the best of the players' abilities. That to me was a much greater travesty than bad scheme. You know, that's more you can say that's play calling. That that is definitely a play calling thing, but that's not a scheme thing, right? Because the same team or a different team will take that same exact scheme against the same exact look, and it goes for a 60-yard touchdown because they have players that can execute that scheme at a higher level. That's the difference for me. I just wanted to respond to that, to some of the some of the conversations. Is like I, I, you're seeing the same thing that 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 I'm seeing. It's just I don't think your conclusion of what the problem was is necessarily one that I would agree with in that situation, um, in the particular chat. So I just wanted to kind of point that out a little bit. So we had so backup we're... says the the Brian. Did you ever have a diamond earring phase? I did my freshman year of high school I did well. or freshman year of college. Too. Excuse me. I did. Yeah. I used to have diamond earrings too. I never did. I did the loops once and I thought it looked stupid. I never um, did the hoops. But never uh, did the hoops. yeah, yeah I, I did the diamond earring thing my freshman year of college. Even my freshman year, my team photos, my freshman year at Methodist, I have diamond earrings in, which was just incredibly lame but, looking back well, on it. But yes. When my wife met me, I had diamond earrings. Well, there you that's, go. And still that's loved you. In. That's, that's true love that's right there, in, my friend. That's true love right there. <laughs> I was I was such a stud, 22 years old, man. I was an absolute stud. Legend in your own mind. I yes. absolutely love it. Love it. Nicholas Grosh. Yeah, my diamond earrings, my that's what she that's what she said, shirt. Uh Nicholas Grosh, if you were appointed or forced to run a 16 team college football playoff, what steps would you take to make 16 team playoff bigger than the NCAA tournaments? Okay. I I just want to say, Ryan, part of what I find <laughs> the most entertaining about your humor is the seriousness in which you express it, which is yep. like the, the, it just makes, I love it. Uh, I, did, I, did, I did have that shirt. I did have yes. that shirt. So I, I, that's what's it. funny about it. Cause I know you're yep. actually being serious, <laughs> but also fun, you know, funny with the reminiscing uh, to your question, Nicholas, to me, it would be create a more rapid fire type of playoff. The thing I don't like about what they're doing now is this notion of like, you know, you play around then like 10 or 11 days later and then 10 or 11 days later. It's like you want to make it bigger than the NCAA tournament, make a four round playoff last four weeks. You know what I mean? That That's that's what you play these rounds this weekend. You play the next round the next weekend. You play the next round the next weekend. You play the championship game. That That's what you do. I, they're not going to do that, in my opinion, but that's what you do. You know, you want to play Friday, Saturday games. That's fine. But play Friday, Saturday games. And and have it that starts this weekend you play games next weekend you play games next weekend you play games next weekend that's what you do that's how it should be i'm pretty excited for the ncaa basketball tournament by the way just kind of a quick sign i've actually been watching more college basketball this year than i have the previous couple years which has been fun i can't believe i don't know if you've watched them brian this houston team that's pretty dang good they're like 
six two six one across the board really? and somehow they're a great well they have like one kid that's like a six seven kid or something but like they are somehow a great defensive team and a great offensive rebounding team i don't understand how it happens but kelvin sampson has that team playing very well mm-hmm. good coach it's good basketball oh, really coach. Good coach really good coach yeah oh, samson yeah Wyatt Fritz, can you guys compare Peyton Bowen to Ivan Taylor and Keon Keeley to Damian Shanklin? I think the big thing for me, Ryan, is is Peyton and, and Keon were just both more explosive athletes yeah. than the two guys we're talking about. I, I I think that that as much as I love Ivan Taylor, I, I do think at the same stage, Ivan is more technically advanced than Peyton was. Peyton was just yeah. a more explosive athlete. Than what Ivan yeah. is. I, I would call Ivan just like incredibly smooth and athletic. Yeah. Like I necessarily wouldn't call him I wouldn't call him explosive. I would just call him very smooth and good range. Yeah. Shanklin, mm-hmm. I think, is close-ish. Like that kid's explosive. Like he really mm-hmm. is. I, I think he's he's closer in the explosiveness category to Keon than what Ivan is to Peyton Bowen, in my opinion. I think they're completely different athletes, Ivan Taylor and Peyton Bowen. I just don't see a comparison there at all. But I'll say this, man. Damian Shanklin has a chance to be a very good player when he continues to develop that frame because that kid is long and athletic, just like Keon was. So he's got a chance. Yeah, I think that's explosiveness-wise, I think that one is similar. I think Keon was just more a more dominant player. Sure. You know, traits-wise, there's some similarities. Keon's obviously a lot longer. I think I think I think Damian's a little thicker, a little stouter, a little bit more, you know, lower body power than Keon had very dominant, a much more dominant player. Keon just, I mean, they were just both dominant, but Damian Shanklin's a very good football player. Ivan Taylor's a very good football player. They're just different, different type of athletes at the safety position. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, like I'll say this, like you could, you could look at the end of the game and Ryan and I, you, you and I could evaluate the job Ivan does and the job Peyton does. And we could both say, man, those guys both played phenomenal football. And mm-hmm. the way that Peyton dominates would just be a little flashier where Ivan's more, you know, Ivan's more Benjamin Morrison, just kind of gets the job done, you know, and, and Peyton's more Xavier Watts, which is a little flashier, a little bit more, you know what I mean? And it's just, it, they're both great, but Peyton's just a, an, a dynamic guy, a dynamic kid as a football player. I mean, however I feel about him personally, that doesn't change mm-hmm. that part. I mean, that part's special in my yep. opinion. We had from Salty, who says, Max Bola talked about the Kingston's readiness to play due to his intelligence and mastery of an advanced defense. Is he most ready for linebacker in the, his class? Did you actually see that interview, Ryan, by chance? I did. Yeah, so, I heard so his interview. Yeah. I thought that made a lot of sense, what he was saying. It's like he was he's, – he's obviously different than Bama. The point is he's being asked to do more. The kids in that whole defense are being asked to do more than your typical high school football player. Yep. And so what Max Bull has said, he's like, he doesn't know the defense, but his ability to process information is so good. Right. Right. And 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 but that can only take you so far, right? I, I've had kids come into my division three and FCS programs that had phenomenal minds for the game. They just ran, you know, four eights instead of four fours and were five seven instead of six three. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the combination of that great mind with the fact that he has a a, a college ready body in a college-ready frame and athleticism as well. I would say – I don't know that I would say he's definitely the most ready in the class, Ryan, but he's in the conversation. I'd have to think through a little bit and remind myself of some of the other top linebackers, but he's definitely in the conversation as the most ready to play right now. 
I mean, off the top of my head, I would say probably salty. I mean, I'm just trying to think through some of them. Like, I thought Miles Graham was mentally pretty far advanced. He's going to Florida. I'm not really. Ernest Graham's kid, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the really Sammy Brown guy. kid. He's a freaky athlete, but he's, I mean, he's needs, he's a, he's a, he's raw. I mean, technically in a lot of those things, he'll, he'll need some coaching up. Um, yeah. I mean, he's in the conversation. I'd have to go through and look at the list of guys, Ryan, but he's in the conversation. I mean, that's something we talked about on signing days. This is one of the yeah. most ready to play guys in the country. Yeah. Regardless of position. Seeing him in, um, seeing him in person too. You can just tell how quickly he processes information and see things. It's, it's very unique. Even when you're in a new defense, you can still, those instincts still kick in ultimately and understanding the flow. He spent a lot of that game in the backfield uh, of the all-star game. And from what you said, Ryan, I believe you said he was, that was kind of pretty much how somehow week went. Somehow Kingston was showing out in run fits in a, just a practice in helmets. I mean, to put that into perspective, like it's, It's pretty special in that regard. He's good. He's very good. We had Riker Ferg who says buy, sell, hold. If Coach Prime goes four and eight like last year, he'll be on the hot seat for 2025. Hmm. I'm selling it. I don't think that you because I look, I mean, one, it would it would not show growth, which is a big thing, right? That'd be a negative. You're also going into the Big 12, so you would hope that there would be a little bit of an uptick as far as, you know, that transitional stuff. But I think, one, Colorado was in such a bad spot before Coach Coach um, Sanders got there, you know, Coach Prime mm-hmm. got there. Before he got there, they were a terrible, terrible program. And if they go 4-8 and again, I think that there could still be some areas that you could say, like, hey, we, we did improve in a couple different areas. It's just maybe a game just didn't go our way. A couple games didn't go our way, whatever it is. But ultimately – Colorado is making more money now than they Bingo. have in a long time. So Bingo. all those things together, I don't think he'd be on the hot seat. I mean, maybe you start at least whispers start happening, but like I don't think yeah. he's in the hot seat at all. Nowhere close. Ryan, I'm selling as well. And again, we will have some buy seller hold shows. We're gonna do that again. Um, it's a little different than the mailbag. I'm gonna sell on that as well, too, Ryan, because right now we don't have enough context in the question to create the scenarios in which it could be a buy because to me, it won't be four and eight that gets them on. Mm-hmm. It'd be four and eight with this controversial issue, that controversial issue, this issue. It'd have to be more of that stuff combined with the losing that would get them on the hot seat for 2025. Right. I think to your point, there's more whispers, but no, he's not on the hot seat because he'd still be making more money. And, and you have look, guys, he, we talked about this a year ago. The hype about Colorado was the problem, not what I believe Coach Sanders did. And I don't agree with a lot of some of the things he does, but the fact is he inherited the worst Power 5 roster in college football. And I don't know that it was overly close, to be honest with you. And you don't fix that in one to two years. You just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's going to take time. And (laughs) he's still learning as a coach as well. Guy's only been coaching four years. Like there's an evolution that's going to have to take place. And so uh, to me, Ryan, as long as they are a little bit, maybe more competitive this year than they were last year. Yep. Then I think that the, it'll be one more year. Now, if you don't show growth in year three, that's when you start to raise questions. But I think you nailed the big reason why is because he's going to get more grace because he's Deion Sanders and number one, and number two, because being Deion Sanders means 
you're still in, still selling out stadiums. You're still getting donors. You're still doing this. You're still doing that. And at the end of the day, that's going to, that's going to Trump wins for a while. Eventually yeah. the wins have to come because then the money dries up. But as long as the money's flowing, they're going to be all right. Worst, worst thing they did, which is so silly to say is they beat TCU in the first game of the year last year when everyone just on the, top of their yeah. minds was like oh tcu just played a national championship game and colorado beat them and it's like guys that tcu team was not the same tcu team one and two he set himself up for those expectations to be so brian i think that we look at Deion Sanders a lot differently now if they lost to tcu right and then they beat another team maybe close or whatever and then at the end of the year you're like you know Four and eight is actually in a vacuum, not a terrible coaching job by Deion Sanders mm-hmm. with that roster that he inherited with the schedule they played. But unfortunately, that early win set the bar extremely high. Yeah. And then the national and what happened? Some guys flipped commitments and made commitments. And then all of a sudden you're standing back and eventually it's like, oh, a couple of these guys are decommitting now because they're like, mm, yeah. I don't know about this, though. Maybe this isn't exactly yep. what I thought it was going to be. If they would have, I think you're you if they would have lost to TCU, the defending national champs. And then later in the year, let's say, beat Arizona. Okay, I mean you, you, right. you've got you've got the loss. You've got a close loss to TCU. You beat a good Arizona team. You only lost mm-hmm. by a touchdown to Oregon State. You only lost by an overtime to Stanford. You only lost by a touchdown to USC. You know you only lost by six at Utah. Like they had a lot of competitive losses last year. So like they went four and eight, but they had a touchdown loss to USC. Three-point double overtime loss to Stanford, a touchdown loss to Oregon State. You had a three-point loss to Arizona and a six-point loss to Utah. Right? Those are five competitive football games. Go to 2022. They lost by 25, 31, 42, 28, 23, 33, 8, 39, 38, 47, and 42. They had one competitive game all year, and that was against an Arizona State team that was as equally awful as they were. Like, so yes, the record wasn't that much better, but they were a much more competitive football team last year that you have to look at. Cause Ryan, we said before the year, like jokingly, like a little sarcastically, but like with some trying to prove a point that if Colorado goes six and six with that roster against that schedule, he should be up for coach of the year honors. He went four and eight. They weren't that far away or three and nine. They weren't, they weren't that far away from being a, a you know, five and seven team, six and six team where you're like, what a heck of a turnaround. The expectations were always too high, but to me, it was done on purpose. Because you know what's what makes you even more money than hyping Deion Sanders up? Trying to tear Deion Sanders down, and that's what it was all about. It was narrative driven. If they would have, if they would have been honest in their assessment of Colorado going into the season, then there'd be a lot different perception of you know what, like, dude, they were four and eight, but they had like five really competitive football games. Like they turned the corner, they got blown. Guys, their closest game besides the eight-point loss to a crap Arizona State team, what did I say, around like 23-point loss? That was terrible. Of 11 losses, they had like one loss that was by single digits. They had five. I I think their average – I think the average per game totals that year were like – I looked at it before. I could be completely off on this, but I thought they averaged like eight points a game offensively and gave up like 43 a game or something like that. It was was like so bad. It was terrible. (laughs) I mean, they literally had no competitive games, really. I mean, they were – they were at 15.4 points per game. 15, okay. And they gave up 44 and a half. Yeah. Like so that's bad. where they were at. It was so 1 and 11. And again, let me see 25, 31, 42, 30, 28, 23, 33, 8, 40, 39, 38, 47, and 42. So 
outside of the eight law eight eight point loss to a bad Arizona State team, their next closest loss was by twenty three points to a team that didn't make a bowl game. Yep. I mean, they were awful, awful. And then, yeah, they were four and eight last year, but seven point loss, three point loss, twelve point loss, seven point loss, three point loss, six point loss. They had two bad losses to Oregon and Washington State. Yep, that's it. So it was it was growth. It was growth, and it just but the, because the narrative that was created before the season started, there was no way they're going to be able to live up to that hype. And I and I truly believe that that was intentional, Ryan, because you're going to make money off Dion on the way up and on the way down. Sure. And that's really what it boils down to. It goes back to the conversation about Notre Dame at the beginning. It's all narrative driven. It's all mm-hmm. agenda driven. It's not real analysis. Because anyone that was offering you real analysis of Colorado would have told you exactly what we told you last year before the season. Guys, this is going to take some time. Yes, he got a couple flashy transfers, but that's still a crap roster. Yes, Shador Sanders is a talented player. Yes, Travis. Who's blocking for him? Right. Who's blocking for him? I mean, Ryan... I told, we went over the starting lineup and you just kind of started chuckling. I remember this. You started chuckling about who the transfers were. And you're like, those guys can play and they can. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, Colorado would have been a much more competitive seven on seven team than they were a 11 on 11 team last year. Yeah. It takes time to build that. Go ask Lincoln Riley. So that's what it was all about. It was all, it was all agenda, it was all agenda narrative driven, Ryan. It wasn't real analysis. And if they gave real analysis, people would be like, you know what? Colorado's trending up in a decent direction. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.